Are you experienced? Have you ever been experienced? I have. And we are back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 325, aka Year 7, Week 23, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I am your host, Mr. Richie Rich, along with MC and KS. And for the first time in multiple years, it's been at least three years, <laughs> yeah. we are all sitting in the same room at the same table doing the show live on Clubhouse. And if you want to get on that live action, well, you're going to miss out today because it's at Riches for Rich, R-I-C-H-E-S, the number four, R-I-C-H. So at me, at Riches for Rich, follow me, and then you will know when we go live. However, sadly, the next time we go live, we will all not be at the same table doing the show in the same round table format as we have in the past. So this is it. Uh, so welcome. Good to be here. Hello. Sort of. What a miserable experience this travel week has been for me for the most part. Although we'll say this. So I, I, I brought my full compliance mask that we talked about <laughs> it at nauseum in the past. And I have worn it more here in like four days than I have the entire COVID season in New Hampshire. Is that so? Yeah. yeah well, because every place here is an asshole about it. And New Hampshire, <laughs> I have a medical exemption, right? So here you have to put it on. There, I just go like, nope, I'm exempt. And then that's it. Then let me be. But I did, as we left, I made it all the way to boarding at Boston airport without putting it on. <laughs> like I walked in, we checked our bags, we checked in, we checked our bags all the way through TSA sitting in the lobby without the mask on. No one says anything. And then, you know, talking to Emma, like, all right, we've got this far, not going to push our luck. You know, we're going <laughs> to get on the plane. Uh, so I donned the mask to get on the plane. Um, Fortunately, on Hawaiian, right? We, we flew back on Hawaiian straight from Boston to Hawaii. And there's so many fucking meal breaks during that 11, <laughs> 10 hour flight. Thank goodness. Thank, well, yeah. But I mean, it's like, you know, they come, they come with the snacks. And like 45 minutes later, you know, the, by the time they pick up all the trash, like it's lunch. And then a couple hours later, it's like snacks again. And then lunch. And then snacks again. These are free meals they're offering? Yeah. Well, I mean, we I paid mean, for it with the, the flight. Yeah. yeah, but it, oh, okay. yeah. oh, wow. Which was, you know, somewhat, I mean, we enjoyed that part of it. But at yeah. the same time, we like, I bought food. I got oh, yeah. a bag of chips. I had a foot-long hoagie sandwich, which I did eat at some point. Like, I didn't know there was going to be second lunch yeah. on the flight. So I, you know, ate my hoagie out there. So that was the time to remove the mask. I had a little bag of trail mix. So I like, you know, as soon as the flight attendant walked by, I like pop a peanut in there to keep it off just a little bit longer, but <laughs> didn't push my luck so much because with all that food, it was like, I, I can't eat another, I can't eat another cranberry. Like that is, <laughs> that is it. I guess I'll just put the mask back on. Um, so yeah, so made it, made it all the way. And then, you know, landing here again, miserable. Uh, we were able to skip the quarantine line because we did all the, the pre-screening and, you know, nonsense that came along with that. So blew through that. I did, I bought a burner phone. And we I talked about that before and, you know, the, the ID to like register with the state. So relatively unmolest going through the airport. And then we'll see what's going to happen on the way on the flight back in a couple of days. But everywhere, like the masks everywhere. It's ridiculous. Saw a homeless panhandler right <laughs> in the middle of the highway with a fucking mask on. <laughs> like, dude, you were outside and alone. <laughs> what are you doing? He hadn't been updated on the news that it, even the governor says he doesn't have to wear it outside. Okay, anymore. yeah. <laughs> Someone said, well, it's so he can approach you, right? Like, if you, you, you know, he won't catch COVID and you won't get COVID when he approaches you to panhandle. Be like, I've got a dollar for you, right? You, you want to catch COVID by handing the homeless dude a dollar. So, yeah. Otherwise, you know, funeral. The funniest thing, you know, that mask, it's a scary mask. Let's be realistic. And I don't speak through the mask, right? So, these, all these, you know, plebes wanting to do stuff to me while I have the mask on. Like, you know, we, we go to the funeral home because we're back for a funeral. That's why, that's why I'm here. And they want to like take my temperature and the dude like guns the mask, <laughs> <laughs> obviously not getting my temperature. And I'm like, you know, you, you can't see anything. So there's like no facial expression in the mask at all. So he tries to get it around the side, right? He's like trying to take, but the mask wraps around, right? So he can't get my temple. 
because the mask is <laughs> you there. You have to go to your neck or something? He went to my wrist. So he's like, you know, <laughs> uh, can, can, I, can, I, uh, can, I, can I get your wrist? And I just slowly lift my arm up <laughs> and show him my wrist. And then, boop, Terminator. Right. And he's like, okay, you're okay. And I just kind of like nodded slowly. And <laughs> Jason Voorhees, <laughs> right? I mean, that's 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 kind of like the persona I'm going for behind the mask, right? More so, like Darth Vader. Could well, Darth yeah. Vader speaks, and I I do oh. have on my phone. <laughs> I have a I have a robot voice app that I can run through uh, through a speaker system that I would normally hang from my neck. We talked yeah, about this, yeah, yeah. and I I can wire the ma- the the like the the uh, what do you call it? the lapel mic into the mask and if i i could talk softly enough where you can hear it booming from the speaker on my chest right and it's a it's a mo- it's a voice modulator so it's ridiculous i might have the whole setup with me i don't know if it's in my backpack or not but if i do i'll hook it up for you later chaos uh, but th- you know this morning we went out to breakfast and they go oh you got to wear the mask in the restaurant and the, you know this place had like the the system where you got to put your face down to take your temperature and so i put my face down and obviously it doesn't get it but it says like have a nice day so i'm like okay i'm good <laughs> You know, it's scared enough of me where I'm going to keep going. Uh, but they're like, well, we got to get your temperature up. So, so the, the, you know, the clerk behind the desk goes, you have to take your mask off. I'm like, fucking fantastic. I thought you'd never ask. You know, I ripped that thing off so fast. And then, they, they, you know, they, again, they took the temperature on my wrist. Like, oh, we, we don't need you to take the mask off. We'll get over here. And then down it comes. So it's been fun. They want, I was a pallbearer at the funeral the other day. <laughs> that mask? So, but here's the, the, we were outside. Yeah. I was okay. like, well, I'm not going to wear it if we're outside. If we had to go inside and, you know, carry the body out, I'd have to put it on when we go inside. I'm not going to be fumbling with a casket right. and fumbling right. with the mask at the same time. So I would have just left it on. Um, but no, we, we started outside just to, you know, carry the body down to the funeral plot. So I didn't wear it there. Um, but uh, one of the other pallbearers also didn't have a mask on. So it's like, okay, you know, only... Only the morons are wearing the masks. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we got, there was, you know, I don't want how much this I'm going to want to make public. So I'll try to be as brief as possible with this little mini story. Um, we get into town and we're staying at like M's family home, right? Like that's where we're, we're sleeping basically while we go about our business here. And as soon as we get into the house, like we're carrying in our luggage unmasked because that's, that's how I do it, right? There's no reason mm-hmm. to wear that mask in the family home. Um, like at the kitchen table, is her brother and her sister-in-law like in mask. masked at the kitchen table. <laughs> like just them two. Like, I don't know who they're protected or who they're worried about, you know. And so uh, M starts to like walk over to her brother and he like stops like, you're not coming any closer, are you? <laughs> so I'm like, really? Like we're, we're going to do that? All right. So there was, there was some family drama surrounding that right up until like last night where they're like, okay, come over for dinner. So we went over to her other brother's house for dinner. And again, you know, mostly everybody was not wearing a mask. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but inside the house, at the kitchen table, with the, the person you've just, that you live with, that you've traveled with, <laughs> right? That you spent all this time together, like just you two sitting at the kitchen table, fully masked up. And I go, it's, there's something wrong with people, like family or not. <clears throat> I'm spo- I was supposed to uh, go visit like my dad and my grandpa tomorrow. Right, like, hey, I'm, we're coming. I'm going to surprise Grandpa because he doesn't know that I'm here, and I was going to surprise them last year before the whole COVID nonsense started. So I'm like, well, maybe we can still sneak in a surprise visit. Uh, and I get a text from my dad. He's like, uh, we're really, you know, we're really overprotective of Grandpa. So we're, you know, if you come over, you're going to have to like mask up and social distance. I'm like, well, I'm just not. like, <laughs> forget it. You know where to find me when when your delusion and delirium is over. You know, but I'm not. I, I te- this is literally why I text him. I text him. I did not fly six thousand miles uh, to play bullshit games. Like I'm not doing it. Like I'm, you know, if I have to come and visit, you know, like my mom picked me up from the airport. Uh, I don't know how common this is in like your little community, but you know, hugged my mom when I left, gave my like my mom a kiss on the lips. No big deal. But to go visit my grandpa, fucking mask up and stay six feet away. I don't think so, man. Like I'm not. I don't do that. So now, now these are his protectors. But what? How does he feel about it himself? Do you think? That is an excellent question. So the other thing that came up in the text is um, throughout this whole, like for the last year and a half, my grandpa, who's, you know, 93 or something, like he's up there, mm-hmm. um, has only been in like two places. He hasn't left home and he only goes to my auntie's house, my who lives like a few miles away. So complete like fear-based lockdown, whether he's cognizant enough uh, to understand what's going on or to make that decision himself, I couldn't tell you. Uh, I, don't, I don't talk to him enough to know. 
And when I do talk to him, it's very brief. It's like, hey, love you, boy. And then, you know, there's not much more to say. So mm. you can kind of break it off there. Um, so I don't know. I have mm. no idea how he feels. Mm. But he didn't even know it was coming. So it's like, mm. not to ruin the surprise, we couldn't even ask yeah, him yeah, yeah. Right. personally. But, you know, he goes like, he hasn't been anywhere in like a year and a half. And I went, well. Might as well just put him in a coffin and say, hey, you might as well just stay there. I kind of, you know, I agree with you. <laughs> I did not say those words <laughs> because they're family. Um, yeah, yeah. but you know, the new Dune is coming out and I remember the old Dune, right? So I just texted him back. I'm like, fear is the mind killer, <laughs> right? Like, you, you know, I'm not, I do not live in fear. If you live in fear, you might as, you know, you might as well just be brain dead at that point. Um, and he, you know, so he texts back, he's like, not everyone thinks like you. And like, well, and this is where you end up, right? <laughs> like, if everyone thought like, if everyone acted and thought like me, right? One of two things is we all would have gotten it and survived it and spaced it out over their two week, you know, like. Right. That was, that was the whole thing in the beginning, right? Two weeks to flatten the curve so that not everyone is in the hospital at the same time, right? It it is so contagious that everyone's going to get it and then you just get it and survive it. Mm -hmm. And so I got it eventually. That's the weirdest thing, right? Like throughout the entire thing, it took over a year of me acting as irresponsible as you possibly can (laughs) to actually find someone who had it to catch it. And then we got it, was miserable for a couple of weeks and now we're good. Right. And I don't need the vaccine because created my own mm-hmm. naturally through natural immunities and all that other, how, how that works. Right. Follow that science. Um, so how, how miserable was it for, I never missed a day of work, man. Okay. Like I went to work, I suffered through work. I went home, I choked down a meal. Cause you know, one of, one of the symptoms for me was like lack of appetite. So I made sure to eat yeah. as much as I, as, as I could. Um, and then I slept, I slept a lot. You know, I didn't, I didn't go to the gym. Obviously I didn't do much else. Um, so after work, I just slept, I, I ate and then I slept, you know, 12 hours, you know, whatever, 12, 13 hours. Um, but yeah, but you know, it wasn't, it wasn't enough where I couldn't do things. Like I think I did, um, you know, I'm, I'm training to be a why, and I am a certified firearms instructor. Right. And I, I did two classes like while in a bit of a fog, but like, that's when the <laughs> class was scheduled. And so I suppressed my cough to get through those classes and no one came back from the class afterward and said, oh, we all got fucking COVID. Someone, someone must know. And did like, I didn't even spread it. I went to dinner with the group of people. You know, one, one of our friends was, you know, wanted M like, she's like, can she just come over and just spit in my mouth so I can get it and be over? <laughs> like, I want to get it so that I can get over it and be done with it. You yeah. know, you know, so that, that's, that's the community that I'm used to. Right. And we had another friend who had it pretty bad because he's older and overweight. And when I got it, M was like, well, stay away from him. Like, you know, if he wants to come sit with you, just don't let him, you know? So he came up to, to sit with me for dinner. I'm like, before you sit down, stop right there. This is a high risk zone. Cause I probably have it at this point, And I don't know at what stage of it I am. So you may want to like keep your distance if you don't want to get it again. He's like, no, nah, I'm still in the window where, you know, I, I still have the immunities from when I got it. So he just fucking sat down right next to me. We had dinner together. So like I go from that community to homeless people wearing masks while they're panhandling here. <laughs> and it's, it's nonsense, right? Enough with the BS. Like, rise up, Hawaii, and do something. <laughs> Someone told me that the governor's in like a lame duck session right now, so he doesn't care. He's not up for re-election, apparently, here. So, good oh, luck. but they, they, they're never finished. They think, oh, next time, next thing is uh, U.S. Senate. Senate yeah, okay. Governor, I mean, not governor, but U.S. House, House of Representatives. Okay. <clears throat> Maybe but head still. of heart. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> How was that? I, I just read like they're asking for more money for the rail again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah of course. <laughs> Ridiculous. It's a gravy train. It's a, well for them. Yeah. Just get all that federal money. Um, but yeah, you know, we, we talk about the grassroots Institute here and yeah. I saw a headline for the grassroots Institute that, you know, the, the, the never ending tears, right? Tier seven, <laughs> tier eight, tier nine. Where does it end? In tears. In tears. Yeah. That's a, that's a good answer. <laughs> Uh, my mom was, you know, we're talking to my mom and she, you know, got into a mini argument with her friend and like tenant because her tenant's old, but doesn't want to get the vaccine. So apparently Hawaii's like stuck at 57% and they, you got to reach like 70% to like move one tier up. And as soon as, as soon as everyone gets on, as soon as everyone gets this, you know, all, all of a sudden, you know, coerced, I'm, I don't want to say forced, but it's definitely a coerced vaccine, right? Well, well then, then it's okay to open up one more tier. <laughs> right. And you know, her friend was like, I don't really, I don't want to get the vaccine. If everyone gets, if you guys get to 70%, then it'll open up. 
And so my mom's upset. She's like, you guys are so selfish, <laughs> right? You, you're supposed to be helping us get this. If everyone thought like you, we would never open up. I'm like, well, hopefully if everyone thought like her, they would just go out and do stuff, right? And nullify whatever, you know, whatever the government here I, is. I think that's stupid because people here are so afraid that even when they open up, there's going to be a whole bunch of people you know, staying home, probably half. You know, what, what I see is a whole bunch of people acting more normal. Um, the tourism is coming back and people are going out and shopping and uh, they're going to restaurants even though they wear a mask before they sit down. And yeah, you know, so a whole lot of it is just pretending. And some of them are doing it because they believe it actually does something. And, then, and some of them are just doing it just so they don't get yelled at. Yeah, I, I think at this point, my experience, I haven't gone shopping, but my experience with the restaurant is it's it's um, going through the motions, Yeah, right? Like, no, obviously no one cares. And, and even the restaurant is doing it so they won't get shut down. Right. <clears throat> so they don't care. You know, I've, I've, walked, I've walked in with the mask on, I've walked out with the mask off, and no one stops me on the way out. Yeah. To, you know, say anything. <laughs> what are they going to do? Get out? <laughs> right. Even, even the airplane, right? For all of that food service... Right, you you have to wear your mask in between it, right? For like it's a ten hour flight for a solid two and a half hours of that flight. No one in the plane has a mask on, and they're actively doing stuff with their hands in their mouth as they're eating and breathing, <laughs> right? And like, oh, so all that that two and a half hours of air is going to filter out, and then everything's going to no, it's that's going to mix as it's being filtered. Um, but again, everyone goes to the motions, right? Oh, if I'm done eating, I'll put the mask back on. Getting up to go to the bathroom at the restaurant, I got to put the mask back on. I'm guessing that a lot of people will continue to wear masks forever, the rest of their life, because <clears throat> regardless of what the, the the state says, they're already in the, in the in the mode to think, well, it's protecting myself against all the viruses, all the diseases, all of my even even yeah. more. I'm protecting everybody else. I'm such yeah, a conscientious person. It's a mm -hmm. self-righteousness at that point. That's what it is. I think it's all virtue signaling. I think that's that's definitely what it has become. Because like I said, I don't think... It's hard for me to believe at this point that people still buy in to the propaganda. Like, I'm sure there's a handful of people. My dad is probably one of those fully bought into the propaganda as it relates to my grandfather. Um, but my experience out in public is it seems to be no one's bought in. And like you said, everyone's just doing it out of fear and obligation and going through the motions, right? The, well, we don't want the restaurant to get in trouble. So we wear the mask in the restaurant. And the restaurant doesn't really care, but they have to do it because the state is involved and they don't want to get shut down. So what really needs to happen is the state needs to like fuck off and get out of the way. And then people will respond. The vast majority of people will respond naturally. And then you'll get the few people who truly live their entire life in fear. Um, like my dad and my grandparents and my, probably my auntie allegedly as well. So yeah, it's, 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 it's been weird. Um, and as fun as it is to, you know, come home and visit family and all that other fun stuff. Um, yeah, I still don't like it here. It's just, it's, it's, fr it's frustrating to see people go through the motions and not fight back, especially coming from New Hampshire, where there are people that go through the motions and don't fight back. Um, but the community that I'm involved in pushes back like every step of the way. You know, like uh, the, the, one of the cities there started a mask mandate. They were immediately sued by members of the Free State Project or, you know, people who moved to New Hampshire. Then another city started a mask mandate there. This is early on, like early on in COVID. Mm -hmm. Another city started a mask mandate. Uh, you know, movers of the Free State Project or, you know, migrants, freedom migrants, uh, whatever you want to call it, um, hired the same attorney to sue mm -hmm. that city. And so the city we were living in or we, that we live in what, had like a hearing you know, it's like, do we want to mask a citywide mask mandate? Um, and the consensus at the meeting was no, because the other two cities already got sued and we don't need a lawsuit. Right. So there's, well, there's that level what, of pushback. What's there. the legal basis for saying that renters don't have to pay their rent? You know, they, they, they've waived the uh, <clears throat> rules on expulsion apartment. If you're not leaving, I mean, is that tested yet in the courts? I mean, is that, has that been justified? Um, not, not to, not to my knowledge, not there and not mm -hmm. here. I don't know if anyone's suing. Well, emergency orders, yeah. right? Emergency orders trumps everything. <clears throat> this particular show, but I did come across a headline. I may, have, I may have set it up for free talk live. Um, yeah, I don't think I have it for us, but the, I came across a headline this past week where it was, um, the state of California is going to be reimbursing renters for lost rent. 
Oh yeah, for, yeah. You saw that. You from, saw the headline. From, <clears throat> they'll just take taxes, more taxes right. to to do the reimbursement. So how does that? Yeah. So the, the 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 property taxpayers, like the mm-hmm. landlords, mm-hmm. right, have to, to pay, pay this rent. tax to pay, get to pay their own rent. <laughs> like, does it's it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I got, on one, the of, stage I got one of those uh, po- power strips with the you know extension cord, and then I just plug the other end back into the extension cord, and I've got free power. That's how it works, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like you know, so they're like they're it's they're benefiting the renters at the expense of the landlords, and they're trying to like I don't I don't know what the I don't know who. I don't know whose wool, whose eyes they're trying to pull the wool over. Like, do the landlords not realize what's going on? Crap, they're going to pay the renters, and they're going to tax me to pay the renters. And then what? Do they do they raise the rent? Because if they raise the rent after that, when they're allowed to 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 oh, recoup some of that, then it's price gouging. Oh, is it? <laughs> but even if they raise the rent, then the renters have to pay, and the renters obviously can't afford to pay in a lot of situations. And what the the state does this what? Where does this cycle now end of, of the you know, landlords raising rent to, to recoup losses to the state and the state you know, stealing more of it to, to pay the renters back for you know, suffering through that? It's not, it's folly. It's, I don't, you know, I don't know what to say. It's so ridiculous. I don't see how, I don't understand how more people don't get it and those that do get it, how there's not more of a pushback um, around the country. Right, like you know, we we were talking at a family dinner or something about some one some member of the family. I forget who it was like taking a trip, you know, to Michigan. Like, wow, you can't go to Michigan. Like, that's the one of the worst places with quarantines and lockdowns right now because that governor is virtue signaling like you wouldn't believe as far as quarantines to the point where like that was the one you had to like that's that's the governor who because of all this nonsense like had a kidnapping plot against her foiled. Like yeah, what? What yeah. you know, Governor Whitmer? Like, what were they going to do? Like, no one knows what they were going to do after they kidnap her. Um, I go, well, obviously something should be done. You know, the the FBI obviously set that up so they could you know foil it on their own. But at the same time, at least someone there was pushing back. You know, where's where's the pushback? Um, there was. I don't know if it's still ongoing, especially now. But in New Hampshire, there were you know there were protests outside the governor's house. Like they went into his neighborhood and just like protested outside of his residence, you know, to, to free the rest of the state, you know, instead of that nonsense. Um, and even during that, like he had a, his brother-in-law or whatever was like on the town council. So they had an emergency meeting and like passed a, a town ordinance that said like, Oh no, no protesting as a residential area. You gotta, you gotta keep the protest moving. So, you know, they, they literally passed the town law in order to stop the protest outside the governor's house. Like, okay, well when he's at work, then we'll just Go to the state house, so the like the protests move to you know wherever the governor operates out of. So they're everywhere in in New Hampshire. They're everywhere. You know, one guy got one guy got a uh, a restraining order TRO on him from the governor, and then so he flew a drone over over like the governor's house, and they tried to call that like a violation of his restraining order. I'm like, how do you make that connection? Right, you're you're the drone way out over here, right, and you're the drones way over there, but you're the operator way out over here. You're not incorrect. Like how? Is there some quantum mechanics going on that the drone is a proxy of you and is therefore any, any proxy of you is a violation of the, you know, the TRO? I don't know. But, you know, again, I, I much more appreciate the pushback there than, you know, the, the passive compliance here. Like even, even M was like, I don't really think people in Hawaii care, right? They just, if, if they don't want, if they don't like the law, they just break it. And her example for that was like, you know, the fireworks law. Like there's been a fireworks ban here for decades. Uh, but New Year's is there's more than up, ever, more than ever here. Like New Year's is more fun here. Mm-hmm. If it, you know, there's a, there's a Where couple prohibited. <laughs> right. There's a there's a couple of things that I will give Hawaii credit for that it's better than New Hampshire. Like the food is definitely one of them. Um, but the New Year's celebration, like I would much rather be here with all the illegal fireworks and the shows and the parties um, than the nothingness that happens in New Hampshire. Like there's a fireworks show and it's like 630 in the afternoon and then everything's done by eight. And it's like it's not even New Year's yet. We haven't even like we haven't even rolled into the new year, and you're like the party's over. No, party doesn't even start until midnight, man. Pre-shows at ten, <laughs> you know. So it's much. I I much enjoy New Year's here than there. But you know the 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 passivity, especially when it relates to you know the the people just going through the motions. Like I don't want to get in trouble. I just want to go eat my dinner. Here I'll wear the mask. Yeah, I'll take the mask off. Like, oh, fight back. 
push back in some form or fashion, but you got to do it on a massive scale. If no, if everyone walked into the restaurant without a mask on, I, it'd be hard pressed for me to believe that with all the lockdowns and shutdowns and business closures that the restaurants would turn away business in that, in that magnitude, right? Like if everyone w- tried to go in without a mask on and you turn everyone away, you know, you're not going to do much business that day. And I think that level of pushback, again, it has to be done on a large enough scale would may be enough to shift the tides because the restaurants don't want to lose business. They don't want to turn away customers. And then what is the state going to do? Like shut down all the restaurants again? Like how, how much backlog of the court system do they want if they're going to, you know, if they're going to find all the restaurants and go through all that litigation, you know, and the restaurants are like, I just want to, I just want to serve my customers. Right. Yeah. I don't know. So it's well, weird. you know what happened with the, when people were applying for unemployment compensation, they couldn't get it because they were, the, the government was overwhelmed with it. Uh, they didn't have enough staff, no office. And in fact, they sent them home too because of COVID. So, um, they had all these people applying for unemployment compensation, couldn't get it from the state. That was its one task to provide this, and they couldn't do that. So maybe the what you say with regard to shutting down restaurants, they probably couldn't respond to it all. Yeah, you know, they'd have to. How many Department of Health workers do they have? More, more employees to go out and do their inspections and shutdowns. You know? Yeah. So I, I mean, I get it. I, I get it. You know, people just want to like move on as best they can and act as normal as possible. But you haven't. You, you're not going to reach that level of normalcy without a bit of a skirmish or fight or or some sort of pushback. Right? Like it's you know uh, there was a, there's a meme on social media somewhere that says like you don't you don't get to reopen. You don't you don't get to wait until the government like reopens. You have to act as if it is already open, and then they will reopen in response. Right? When they know they can no longer control it, then they will pretend as if it was their idea in the first <laughs> place. Right? They will jump in front of that train. Um, so if you don't want to end up with tier seven, tier eight, oh no, everything will reopen once we reach a 95% statewide vaccination, right? Then, then we're good, right? That's, that is where this place is headed. Um, maybe hyperbolic, you know, maybe not, right? You know, tier, tier four, tier five. I said the grassroots Institute was like pitching tier six, tier seven, tier eight. <laughs> when does it end? You know, when the governor says it does, who's he to decide? So yeah, that's looking like... Glad to be back for as brief as it was, and I was ready to leave pretty much as soon as it landed. And I was like, all right, turn this, turn this plane around. Let's get the hell out of here. I left for a reason. I don't want to be here. But again, visiting with family, visiting with friends, always a, always a benefit, always a bonus. Um, but yeah, not not worth, not, I like you guys, not worth staying here for. <laughs> but you come, you come to New Hampshire or Texas. Uh, but yeah, you know, pick, pick someplace else other than here. I guess is the message for me. Even the tourists, like, don't come. Why would you come? You know, we were we were on the plane, uh, and M was talking to a, a couple of tourists who were like coming and then going to Maui, and I don't know if they had all of their paperwork in order because, like, you 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 COVID test seventy two hours in advance, which we had to at do an to, approved place at an approved place, right to to land here. I've had people come with an, with the COVID test, but not from the approved place, so they had to fly back. Right. What get, folly is it. that? Yeah. But then in order to go to the outer islands, because they wanted to go to Maui, right? They want to go to the outer islands. They got to get tested again, show another more documentation to land there because it's not good enough. And the vaccines, like the vac- if you're vaccinated, your vaccine card is only good if you were vaccinated in Hawaii. In Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because, right. because you have better vaccines here. Like, so you got to vaccinate twice? <laughs> well, if you want to use your vaccine as an excuse to not quarantine, you have to, uh, if, you want, if you don't want to go through that process, you have to have your vaccine from Hawaii. Mm-hmm. If, you, if, you have your vac- if you get the vaccine in California or D.C. or doesn't New Hampshire, count. doesn't count. Forget it. You got to go through the bullshit wow. to land here. But if you got your vaccine here, well, that's the vaccine that matters, right? So, um, so another idea that I want to pitch, right? Because I was I I I've thought this through ever so briefly, and I tried to explain it um, to my mom and M as like how things work. I I I have dubbed it like the Galileo effect, and so you know, briefly in the time of Galileo, right? They're like you know, flat Earth stuff, but also what revolves around what, right? Like everything revolves around the Earth. And they had to come up with these ever so complex mathematical algorithms to describe planetary movement because it doesn't make any sense if everything revolves around the earth, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, my mom and M to a degree is like under the impression that the government 
is created to do these certain things for the people, right? To, to take care of the people, to protect the people. And I said, like, well, you're the Galileo effect. Like, you're, that doesn't make sense to you when they operate incongruent to that, right? When they go, like, these, these lockdowns, they don't make sense, right? If, you, if your operating assumption is that the government is working for the people, I said, well, this is the Galileo effect, right? If you, if you can come to the understanding that the government is not here to work for the people, right? That the government is here to dominate and control the population. Well, then all of a sudden, all of the state activities fall in line and make sense, right? The, the mathematical equations surrounding that, you know, circle the sun instead. So I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to get them to understand that. Like, why, why does this all this bullshit happen? Well, it's not because everyone's scared of COVID. Like the vaccine, the California vaccine, just as good as the Hawaii vaccine, right? Doesn't make sense initially, but if you go like, well, it's obviously a control mechanism, you know, to, to control and dominate it the population. It works in California. The California, oh, is that, is that, yeah, what the, yeah. is that the propaganda here? <laughs> is that why it's not allowed? The vaccine doesn't travel? Like you, you fly out of California and the, magnet, the, the magnetism pull like rips the vaccine out of your arm and keeps it in California? Is that, okay. There's a special yeah. mentality in California that it only works on. Okay. Maybe true, but you know what I'm saying, right? Obviously, we're Nebraska, right? Like, who cares? Who cares where you got the vaccine? It's the same stuff. Um, but when you when you take the, when you when you operate under the assumption that it's not supposed to make sense from this perspective, but it makes perfect sense if it's about domination and control over the population. Well, then of course you have to get your vaccine here. Of course you have to quarantine before you come in here because it's not about protection. It's not about keeping the population safe or secure in any way. It's about domination and control. And that's the, that is the operating assumption where all the government action, uh, not even in Hawaii, just across the board, right? All government action starts to make sense when you see it from that perspective. And if you can shift your perspective, government is no longer um, incompetent or inefficient, right? They're very competent, they're very efficient. You just don't know what they're competent and efficient at doing. And domination control is where they where, where that happens. That's it. John McAfee? Sure. What do you know? Did he kill himself? <laughs> Any thoughts on that? I just heard the rumors. I don't know what uh, what it was that what, <clears throat> I don't know what it was that would motivate the government to try and off him anyway. Uh, what, what was he? What was the big deal? Um, he was he <clears throat> was losing his well from for the pro suicide position. He was losing his bid to fight extradition to the United States for cryptocurrency crimes, basically. Um, and so he was going to get extradited to the United States. They were going to imprison him for years. Like he's 70, he was 74, but, so he didn't have long. So he, he lost the extradition fight. So why, what would there be a motive to, to kill him for? Good question. Like, I, I don't have a good answer. This is more of a motive that he actually did kill himself, right? Several... Yeah. Several months, several years ago, you know, he was, he was ready to fight this to like the bitter end. I would never kill myself. He got the tattoo to prove that, you know, he would never kill himself. Um, family members and his attorney said that he had no proclivity towards suicide. Like he was, he was ready to fight the extradition, go to trial here and, you know, whatever, and was in good spirits. Um, so I don't know. And, you know, the, I, I don't know. I don't know what the motive would be for them to off him. Like, I don't know what, I don't know what information he had unless they were afraid that information about them was going to come out. Um, cause he's, you know, he's a computer guy and a crypto guy. Like, you know, he's, he's the McAfee of the McAfee antivirus, you know, so he knows his way around technology, maybe a white hat hacker, gray hat in some way. Maybe, did, maybe did he got some the, information. Uh, I don't know. Did you see the documentary that was made about him? Uh, several years ago, but yes, yeah. interesting, interesting character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very kind of heroic character. in a way. <laughs> well, independent, but uh, maybe the, the evidence that was presented in the document documentary gave the impression that he was uh, a killer too. You know, that he killed his neighbor. Yeah, in uh, Belize or whatever. Yeah, that's right. And that he ran from that and got away there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he escaped. <laughs> he escaped justice there, and you know. <clears throat> but I don't. You know, I don't. I don't I don't know if that makes him a good guy or a bad guy in this case, because the extradition wasn't for murder, it was for like, you know, cryptocurrency trading. Yeah. So if anything, you know, send them back to Belize and put them on trial there if the, you know, whatever their statutes of limitation is, if they really had the evidence there. But, you know, his, his claim in the documentary was that he was framed again, Mm. 
right? Because, you know, the, the world is after John McAfee. Mm-hmm. Playboy millionaire extraordinaire type, you know, <laughs> type of a character. And yeah, again, I don't, I don't know what the motive would be to off him unless he came, he came into some information, you know, that might lead to the bad mouthing of some bad, you know, bad reputation of some high powered individuals. But it is, it is curious, mm. right? After, after all the fighting, after the tattoo, after the, you know, I will never kill myself type of thing. I mean, he missed his prediction on Bitcoin, but it's not like Bitcoin like went into the garbage, you know, since that prediction. Oh, what was his prediction about Bitcoin? Oh, he, you know, his claim, well, he, he made a, he made a very huge bet. He said by the end of 2020, Bitcoin will be like a million dollars per coin or that he would eat his dick on live TV. And then he backed out, you know, as, as it crashed and rebounded and didn't quite make it to the million, um, <laughs> he kind of walked back on that. as like, I'm not really going to do that. That was, <laughs> I did not, if, you know, you could be sure that if it happened, he would have been boasting, you know, all the way up and down wherever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it did not come to fruition. Uh, and, and he backed down from that. So, but yeah, it, but again, it's not like it's, it's not like that alone would have caused him like this downward spiral into you know, suicidal tendencies or thoughts. So it's just, it is peculiar, it is peculiar that he would kill himself at this stage. Um, because for me, like, even if, even if he gets extradited, even if he gets found guilty and sentenced to, you know, 20, 30, 40 lifetime in prison, right? Well then wait till then to kill yourself, right? Like (laughs) you can, you can lose and then do it, but like, I don't know why you would do it prior Prior to losing, while you're theoretically still in the fight. Oh, but if he's extradited to New York, you can't commit suicide in New York. I mean, they've got too many cameras on you and too many police watching you throughout the night, like with Epstein. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, with Gillon, Ghislaine Maxwell, like there were there were concerns over her too. So rather rather than let her, you know, be peacefully in jail, it was like you know, twenty three hour surveillance with the lights on and torture. They tortured her, <laughs> yeah. Regar- regardless of how you feel, right? There was that's you know that fits the criteria of torture, um, which you know if you want to be a constitutionalist, it's kind of against the rules there. <laughs> Even international war, right? There's there's rules to these things. There's rules to the violence. If you're going to be violent, you at least stick to the rules. Otherwise, you know you're an outlaw. But you know, I guess I guess again, my point is. I don't know what the motive for killing him would be, uh, but there is equally there's equal evidence that he would not have killed himself. Like there's equal motive that he had no reason to kill himself, at least at this stage, right? at least while you're in the fight, right? If you don't want to, if you want to get to jail and you don't want to kill yourself, right? Then be good, be on good behavior to get into Gen Pop and then just go punch a dude in the face during mealtime, right? And eventually, you do that enough, <laughs> someone will stab you yeah, and you'll right. be dead. You know, if your goal is your goal is death, there's plenty of ways to get that done uh, in jail. Even um, this is an, uh, a New Hampshire thing, right? Like the the the, the man named Nobody, right, uh, um, was is in jail, part of the the Crypto Six uh, trial and arrest that happened in New Hampshire, right? And he is being held. Um, he had his bail hearing several weeks ago. I don't know how much we did we talk about this at all on this show. Yeah, a little bit. Okay, so. He said some dumb things on a recorded line that was used as evidence against him to prevent his release, you know. And one of those things was if they if they're going to keep me in jail, right, I will just OD on heroin and kill myself rather than, you know, participate in this sham. Um and evidence of a couple things, right? Like how is he going to get heroin in jail? They can't keep it out, so like I believe him, <laughs> right? He could definitely get a hold of it. Um but in saying that, what was brought up was like, well, if he's willing, if he's willing to go, if he's willing to call for violence against state agents, that's one thing, right? They, we're going to hold him for that. But if he's, it, but he's also saying he's going to kill himself, and we can't have that because that is obstruction of justice. <laughs> like we can't let him cut, we can't let him out, and we can't let him, you know, we can't let him kill himself because then he's obstructing justice. Was you know, was one of like the prosecutor's response to that? So John McAfee is obstructing justice. You know, by by killing himself before <laughs> before being brought before the court, so, you know, it's a whole whole bunch of nonsense. Um, so yeah, you you have any opinions, thoughts, concerns, like McAfee thing? Like really, where do you, just your gut feeling? Where do you think is going on there? I don't know. I, I see it both ways. I think he could have killed himself just to uh, cause controversy because he's a shit disturber and he thought 
you know, this is probably the last time I'll be able to do anything like that. So maybe, maybe yeah, it. I don't know. He had the dead man switch yeah. like there, uh, right after, right after he, you know, right after he did that, there was like an Instagram post from his account that said Q. Right. And then the account got wiped out. Right. And then a whole bunch of documents or some things got leaked somewhere. And But also I think, I think personally, uh, Q has been compromised if it, maybe if it, maybe it always was, but, um, if it wasn't always compromised, I think it is now. And um, if if uh, if he was murdered, then it would make more sense to see that Q message because it just adds so much weirdness to it. What's Q? Q, Q is a conspiracy theorist group. Uh, QAnon. Oh. Know, they were responsible yeah. for the insurrection on January well, 6th, allegedly. Allegedly. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? They think they there, found Q at one point. The, Nobody yeah, knows who the guy the, is. There, there was some Q members in, uh, involved in the fake insurrection, but yeah, but so Q. What I think Q now is basically uh, a government-run psyop or, uh, organization. Could to, be, yeah. To, to well, to to say outlandish things so that and, and do outlandish things and. So that there's a reason for the government to exist. Like, look, there's all these crazy Q people. Uh, we need to spend more money on government to make sure that they don't take over. <laughs> that I would believe that. Like that. That does not sound conspiratorial at all to me. Like that's. Um, I think we, we were either b- before we left or on the plane or something. I suggested to M um, that she rewatch V for Vendetta. I'm like, eh, it's not November 5th, but like, mm-hmm. might be a good time to revisit that movie because. From what I see in real life, like the playbook is in the movie, right? Right down to the quote of like, they need to know why they need us. Mm-hmm. So we go back to, you know, the, the COVID thing, right? The lockdowns, you know, th- there was an article. I don't, I don't know if I have it, if I had it for show prep at one point, but it's basically, the, you know, the government has convinced the vast majority of people that they need to be spied on for their own safety, right? And so, you know, with the QAnon thing, you, 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 and the, the, the comparison to V for Vendetta is you start this organization or this conspiracy theory, right, to to put to instill fear into the people, um, and then you come to the rescue, right? And that was that that was the plot of V for Vendetta. Yeah. I mean, right? but that's that's A normal operating procedure for the FBI anyway. Find right. find somebody who's on the edge of being a terrorist, uh, convince them to actually tr- follow through with it somewhat, and then bust them. Yeah, they don't even have to be on the edge. Right. A lot of some of the times it's like just a kid in the mosque, right? right? Not radicalized at all, but just look like he could be easily manipulated. And so, like, they pick him out, and all of a sudden, you know, they caught an Islamic terrorist because, you know, he was in the mosque. So it's, it's the playbook. And it's, again, baffles, baffles me to some degree, even though I understand it, how many people fall into that. Like, you know, the playbook, and you still respond like they want you to. Like, there's no way out of it. Um, and that and that's unfortunate, um, you know. And I'm I'm not perfect either. I fell for things in the past. Uh, the the one that I fell for was the, the twin towers could not have possibly fallen due to planes hitting it. And I'm like, no, jet fuel can't melt steel beams. Actually, uh, actually, it, it you know maybe it did fall just because of the two planes. So because the alternative is kind of really hard to make up. Yeah. Um, so I st- with that one, I still get hung up on building seven. Sure and. And we can go over that another time. Yeah, um, no, we don't need to. Yeah, I was twenty years old at this point. <laughs> but yeah, again, the the playbook is there. I think in in our case, it could be just a level of maturity, right? Like in in two thousand and one, I was you know still a teenager, right? When when that happened, sure. And twenty years out, like there's a lot more world experience. There's a lot more understanding of how things operate. Physics, <laughs> sure. <laughs> You know, yeah. I don't even, but even, even then I'm talking about like the playbook, right? Right, like right, right. I, it, it was, it's very easy for a 19 year old or an 18 year old to believe the government position that, you know, we were attacked by this group of people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I disputed that at all at the time, you know, not, not as much as I would now. Um, and it's very easy to watch the documentary and go like, oh no, that the conspiracy theories are also kind of on point there as well. Like, how did this happen? You know, so easily. Um, and then the follow-up, right? Like I go, I go to the airport, I still got to take off a belt. I still got to take off my shoes because ever, you know, a few weeks after, you know, nine 11, 
someone tried to light a match in their shoe. And so for the past 20 years, we all take our shoes off at the airport. <laughs> but no one's ever hijacked, you know, no one's ever hijacked the plane with a shoe bomb. Like it's not, that's not a real thing. It just, they got the one guy. And, but yet we all suffer, we, 20 years out, we're suffering the effects of that, right? Uh, you, you know, the, the last trip I was on before this one, um, I got caught with a multi-tool, like a credit card multi-tool that I had to dispose of in my backpack. What's a multi-tool? It looks like a credit card and it's got like a you know, screwdriver and oh. a little, you know, whatever, because it had serrated edges, right? Like one part of it was serrated and I go, shit, fucking, I got to throw it away. Okay. You know, I don't, you know, it was a gift from a friend. It's got sentimental value, but you know, if you, I'm not going to check this into luggage, I'm not going to mail it home. So, you know, toss the multi-tool. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're packing our lunch to, you know, to take on this slide and we're like, well, I need like utensils because I got this foot long sub and I got to like cut this some bitch in half to eat comfortably. And I'm like, well, I better cut it now before we leave because I'm not going to be able to get through TSA with a knife to, you know, to cut my sandwich. Like that's not going to happen. Well, after we get through TSA right, we go to the convenience store and they're selling snacks and chips and pop and whatever. And, and knives. And knives. <laughs> plastic knives. You just, fuck, I just grabbed one off of there, put it in my bag. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, you know, well, in first class, you still get the regular silverware. Okay. Yeah. Even, you know, even more because so. First for, class people aren't going to use them for nefarious activities. Only economy. Yeah. Pr- I, I, you know, <laughs> if the hijacker is going to, if is going to pay for first class, you know, whatever. But then I'm like, okay, so, you know, I understand that this is security theater, right? But everyone has to understand that this is security theater because I can't take a knife in, but what I could probably get through security is a sharpening stone. Right. That doesn't, that's like nothing thing. It's a rock basically. Right. Like I, you know, and I, so theoretically, if I had wanted to, right, I could take a sharpening stone through security, get that in and then grab one of these plastic knives, right. That you're going to hijack a plane with and I could file it down very quickly and very easily, you know, like jailhouse style into a very, very dangerous weapon much more dangerous than my credit card with, you know, a centimeter of serrated edge, you know, they couldn't even find it. I didn't even know what they were looking for at the time. They're like, we, do you have a knife in your bag? I'm like, no, fuck. I took all the, I removed all the knives from my bag. I, you know, even this trip here, I did a thorough check of my bag um, to make sure that there was nothing that, you know, took, I do have it. I actually do carry a knife, but I take that out of my bag and, you know, I'm looking at, I'm like, could this be misconstrued? I'll just leave it at home, you know, type of a thing. Um, but yeah, you know, but you, you can get one on the other side. Like there's nothing stopping you from getting a plastic stabby device on the other side. So it's, it's clearly theater. Everyone knows it's theater. And yet here we are 20 years out, you know, taking off the shoes and the belt. Um, one thing that I, I, I didn't want to take a chance with because it's kind of expensive. I have a, a steel belted gun belt, like steel lined in, in the leather um, gun belt. And I was like, I don't. I don't know if that would make it through TSA if I was wearing it. So I, I put that in the, in the, you know, the check baggage and then belt it up like when I got here, but you know, it's, it's still theater. Like I'm not, you know, what do you need the belt for uh, to, to hold my pants up? It's like, it's the nicest leather belt I own. It just happens to be steel lined because Hey, sometimes you put something else on there <laughs> when you're not here. Cause you're not allowed to do that nonsense here, but you should be. So, you know, theater, theater all the way around McAfee all the way around. Who knows? You can see it both ways. Headlines? Do we have time for a couple? Oh, uh, you should read them at least. We got yeah, about sure. seven minutes. All right. Headline. Imagining state capitalism. I might go slow. I'm using a like a, an older computer that doesn't really boot as quickly. So it takes a little bit of a minute for me to get through these. Headline. Malibu man fined four point two million dollars over a disputed beachfront gate. Mm. Right? Find how much? 1.4 million. 4.2 million. Oh my gosh. A uh, headline. This is okay. We might do this one because I might make the opposing case. No, cancel culture is not the free market at work. Um, I think I have made the case otherwise on this show. So it'd be interesting to see the other point of view. I'm curious how is cancel culture part of the market at all? Uh, because it's voluntary action. It's yeah. people, it's people saying you should not hire this guy. You should not support this business. Because they believe certain oh, things oh, that we oh, disagree with. Mean. Yeah, yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this this is from Fee, and they're making the opposing case that cancel culture is not a free market activity. And I want to, you know, I, I've skimmed it, but I'm it's, with you. Know, on okay. That. Yeah. You know, what, let's just stop there then, because it's like I said, it's going to take me a hot minute to click through all of these 
um, as I use a not as good computer as I would normally have. My travel computer I can watch movies on it. It's got runs Windows 10, but it's got like two whole gigs of RAM. All right, no, the cancel no, no cancel culture is not the free market at work. Uh, cancel culture cancel culture is inconsistent with the ethos of free enterprise innovation and discovery on a number of levels. Again, from the Foundation for Economic Education. Uh, this is their article. As rapid social and technological changes continue to test our commitment to free speech and liberal values, a common refrain I have heard is that cancel culture is the free market at work. Speaking as an entrepreneur, I couldn't disagree more. From a pure economic perspective, there is no controversy. Every company makes complex decisions and the forces of the free market guided by the price system will adjust accordingly as a result. Under a free market economy, consumers vote with their dollars, rewarding business models that create value and punishing those that do not. Unfortunately, American society is not dealing with a strictly economic issue. Instead, we are facing illiberal ideologies that are increasingly weaponized and infiltrating schools, universities, corporations, professional societies, and now mainstream American life. From citing a scientific study that contradicts prevailing opinion to likening the wrong tweet, the list of punishable offenses continues to grow. From academia to the workplace, people have been fired, suspended, deplatformed, or faced some other form of retribution for expressing or holding wrong views that are likely to be shared by millions of others or even associating with the wrong person. According to a 2020 Cato Institute national survey, self-censorship is on the rise in the United States. Nearly two-thirds, 62% of Americans, say they, the current political climate prevents them from expressing their true beliefs out of fear that others might find them offensive. As journalist Barry Weiss can confirm, this disturbing epidemic of self-censorship afflicts Americans from all walks of life. I'm, I'm going to read this quote, but I want to pause there for a second and say, like, I am a part of that 62%. Um, when Facebook started cracking down on bullshit, right? Like, you know, I, I caught my first ban for basically saying, um, you know, fucking Canadians <laughs> for something that was unrelated to Canada or Canadians, mm. but was a joke that my friend would understand, right? And I, uh, they banned it. I, like, I just, you know, I can't post here because they don't understand my sense of humor in communicating with friends who also understand my sense of humor. Um, but I want to be able to read through the platform because other people post things that I'm interested in. So I haven't posted anything personal on Facebook in over two years. I just, I just use it for news. So I, I am self-censoring yeah. myself at that level because of that. Uh, the quote, they are feminists who believe there, there are biological differences between men and women. Journalists who believe their job is to tell the truth about the world, even when it's inconvenient. Doctors whose only creed is science. Lawyers who will not compromise on the principle of equal treatment under the law. Professors who seek the freedoms uh, to write and research without fear of being smeared. In short, they are centrists, libertarians, liberals, and progressives who do not ascribe to every single aspect of the new far-left orthodoxy, unquote. This new orthodoxy is enforced by the phenomenon of cancel culture, typified by a politically driven mob browbeating an individual into submission or repentance for representing a contrary opinion or seemingly dangerous thought. Activists often retort they are merely demonstrating that actions have consequences. Other commentators insist these consequences are a form of market feedback and accountability. However, there are notable differences between cancel culture and honest criticism. Jonathan Rauch clearly differentiates the two in a thoughtful guide. The latter is about finding truth, moral persuasion, and most importantly, an attitude of good faith. The former is distinguished by punitive and the goal is to make the errant suffer. Canceling, quote, canceling seeks to organize and manipulate the social or media environment in order to isolate, deplatform, or intimidate ideological opponents. It is about shaping the inf information battlefield, not seeking truth. And its intent, or at least its predictable outcome, is to coerce conformity and reduce the scope of forms of criticism that are not sanctioned by the prevailing consensus on some local majority, unquote. I want to further add that the cancel culture is inconsistent with the ethos of free enterprise, innovation, and discovery. For starters, it's incredibly ironic, not to mention duplicitous, to appeal to the free market when most left-wing activists, journalists, and politicians are not free marketeers when it comes to the minimum wage, rent control, trade, and many other public policy issues. Reflecting on my experience as an entrepreneur and, techn and technology professional, market-driven feedback is a process of continual learning. Uh, continual testing and continual refinement. 
Having worked in marketing and product management in multiple startups, I like to share how this process works. Entrepreneurship introduces a new product or service into the market under conditions of uncertainty. It is an act of creation, not destruction, persecution, or censorship. Most importantly, one has to practice an attitude of epistemic humility and even embrace the possibility that he or she can be wrong. Most noticeably, moral crusading animates cancel culture activists. They are convinced of their absolute righteousness and do not forgive error even from the distant past. As the world becomes more complex, even pursuit in the political, economic, and social sphere has to be cognizant of man's limited capacity to know. This insight is emphasized in F.A. Hayek's noble lecture, uh, quote, The recognition of the insuper insuperable limits to his knowledge ought indeed to teach the student of society a lesson of humility which should guard him against becoming an accomplice in men's fatal striving to control society a striving which makes him not only tyrant over his fellows, but which may well make him the destroyer of a civilization which no brain has designed, but which has grown from the free efforts of millions of individuals, unquote. Unfortunately, many political activists who want to change the world lack self-awareness. They do not take the time to consider the unintended consequences of making rapid social changes, imposing top-down policies, or abolishing institutions and customs, or even asking why or how they arose in the first place. Hayek devoted his life's work to showing that the economy is not just supply and demand charts, but a spontaneous order that emerges from human action. At the center of the action is the entrepreneur who has navigated the wor through a world where information is dispersed, incomplete, and fr frequently contradictory. Entrepreneurs have a keen eye for economic opportunity, often gleaned from firsthand experience on the ground. Many founders are especially notorious for having domineering personalities and egos. Nevertheless, the strongest personal vision, ambition, and gut feeling is, is feeling still needs validation. In contrast, cancel culture needs, leaves no place for a healthy reality check. To succeed in the marketplace, entrepreneurs must take the time to stop, look, and listen. To develop a successful product, a good entrepreneur devotes serious effort to gather insights into customers' behaviors, needs, desires, pain points, and motivations. Patience, genuine care, and understanding are crucial crucial, excuse me, in all interactions, especially if one wishes to obtain accurate, honest, and useful information. Cancel culture, on the other hand, lacks empathy, nuance, and goodwill. Without these qualities, entrepreneurs and businessmen will find it very difficult to grow their companies. The lean startup philosophy advocates a build, measure, learn framework to turn ideas into products, measure how customers respond, and determine the next best course of action. This feedback loop continually tests assumptions about the market needs and whether the product or service satisfied that need. It requires the entrepreneur to adopt a lifelong learning mindset and be open to new ideas no matter where they originate. Throughout this process, existing prior are often challenged, if not entirely overturned. It's not surprising for an entrepreneur to learn how the product is used in a completely unexpected way or uncover a new group of customers who's even better fit. Serendipitous discoveries can result in making a simple design update to pivoting into a new business model. The most effective founders and entrepreneurs are always learning, testing, and refining as they go about creating products and services that delight and provide the most value for the customers. People's lives are ultimately enriched, not ruined. Value creation is what powers the engine of prosperity and represents the free market at its best. This open-ended, growth-oriented process is what real feedback and accountability looks like in a free market. There is no room for ideological axe grinding unless political activism is part of the company's mission, which can be harmful to productivity, morale, and the bottom line. Curiosity, empathy, and epistemic humility are the most important attributes that entrepreneurs should possess. These traits are noticeably absent in cancel culture campaigns. Leaving open the possibility that one can be wrong is vital for scientific progress, but the principle is just as important, if not more so, for entrepreneurs and innovation. In his best-selling startup manifesto, Zero to One, famed investor and entrepreneur Peter Thiel reminds us there are still many undiscovered truths and secrets out there. Quote, if we already understand as much of the natural world as we ever will, if all of today's conventional ideas are already enlightened, and if everything has already been done, then there are no good answers. Contrarian thinking doesn't make any sense unless the world still has secrets left to give up, unquote. If we wish to uncover them, we must preserve free thought and encourage the, punish the pushing of boundaries. We need to provide room for intellectuals, emotions, and, and social growth. We need to give the devil his due. And to reiterate once more, we need to leave open and even embrace the possibility of being wrong in our convictions and deepest held beliefs. The historian Arthur Eckert described liberalism as a collection of ideas and principles which go to make up the attitude or habit of mind. 
Key pillars of liberalism, free speech, open inquiry, and tolerance are most effective when embodied and practiced by the people themselves. This attitude is what sustained both an open society and market economy. It is no coincidence that most classical liberals are staunch defenders of free speech as a free speech entrepreneur. They believed in freedom to explore and exchange in both ideas and goods. They understood how these principles go together like seamless web and mutually reinforced each other. In his sweeping book, Open, the Story of Human Progress, Johann Norberg, Johann Norberg examined periods of history where human flourishing was unleashed. Many drivers, many diverse societies, such as the Periclean, Athens, Song, China, and the Islamic world before the Mongol invasion. The Italian city-states of the Renaissance and the Dutch Republic were distinguished by dissemination of scholarship and learning, rapid technological innovation, and advanced wealth and prosperity. Compared to other parts of the world as their perspective time, respective times, these cultures were relatively open to trade, exchange, migration, and new ideas from within and from outside. Alas, these golden eras did not last. All of them were canceled, literally by both internal and external forces that preferred conquest, plunder, protectionism, censorship, and zero-sum conflict. But their legacies were preserved and extended in other places in future eras. With the rise of the Enlightenment, the ideas of dissident thinkers, entrepreneurs, and innovative innovators clashed, mixed, and matched. Most astoundingly, the spread of the Industrial Revolution from Great Britain to the United States brought unprecedented growth and wealth that lifted living standards for all. The material gains were also matched by the liberation of ordinary people, including women, minorities, and marginalized groups. Innovation and freedom in all areas of human activity went hand in hand. Today, we enjoy food, entertainment, delivered on demand, instant communication across the world, and more. Many people take these products and services for granted, but by every conceivable measure of human progress, we live in the most prosperous, peaceful, and tolerant era in history. Norberg reminds us that past open civilizations were destroyed, except for this one, which may still be saved. Let us, for not, let us not forget the liberal values and institutions that made it possible. And yes, we can and should make this world even better. As we continue to pursue innovation in the both economic and social spheres, open culture will inevitably clash with cancel culture. We must never let the latter close the human mind. End of the article. So it sounds like he just doesn't like the type of market activity that you know he sees. Yeah. But your thoughts? Exactly. It makes a, a nice um, argument against the cancel culture, but well, so what? That's part of... Uh the, the marketplace. I don't know. I don't understand. Oh, he's saying it's not part of the free market. Well, but clearly it is. He's, he talks about Hayek's uh, spontaneous order. Well, this is part of spontaneous order. Yes. <laughs> so did, did he make the case in your mind, MC? Um, I would say no, but I think uh, whether or not it has anything to do with the free market, I, I still think that those in, engaged in cancel culture are short-minded and they are not taking in consideration uh, the negative effects that it has. Sure. So, yeah, I'm, I'm totally against cancel culture, you know, regardless. So if you, are, if you are on the side being canceled, like if they're trying to cancel you, does it behoove you then to ignore cancel culture and still, you know, produce your product or service or, you know, if you're a celebrity, continue to, you know, do your celebrity things um, and ignore the cancel culture mob and just best serve the customers who do value your product or service. Uh, what else can you do? A lot of them just quit and retire and go into hiding and self-censor. Like that's, you know, that was <laughs> yeah, part of it. That's, that's, that's not, that's two bad choices. So, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you, you, you do what you can, I guess. <laughs> All right. Chaos. Yeah. yeah it's um, talking about just, um, you know, the responses, how do, how do people respond to it? You know, and he's fighting back yeah. against it, arguing I, against it. That's good. That's all part of it. I yeah. think the message shouldn't be directed at the person being canceled, but the, the people doing the canceling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, even though the article, even though he's trying to make the claim, I, I think that I still think that cancel culture is free market activity because it doesn't involve, um, you know, violence and state coercion. Right. Um, but you can, you, there, there's plenty of activity in the marketplace that you can be against. And I think he is just against this particular market activity. Yeah. And it, it's, and I would be too, but it's like groupthink. cancel culture is on, in the line of groupthink. Sure. Well, I've called this person out. I've called this person a racist. So everybody else that is associated with me must also call him a racist or you'll get canceled yourself. Yeah. And if you're and, associated with him, you're also a racist. Yeah. Unless and, you disassociate. Yeah. And so it's, it, it's it's a it's groupthink and it's wrong and um you know if if there is, is a racist and the employer doesn't want uh, them associated with them then they can fire them that's fine but also a market activity right and and if uh some but the the, the problem comes in when somebody else 
uh, from outside the organization, uh, you know, has, has a group which, which you know, the, the group has power, um, f- you know, maybe they misunderstand uh, somebody's tweet or, or uh, social media post or, or maybe they, you know, they're just not uh, politically correct enough and then that gets them labeled a racist and then uh, that's part of what cancel culture is, is making something out of nothing and to, to uh, get people thrown out of the marketplace. It can also be that they use that uh, verbiage, the cancel culture thing, to capture the use of government power. And then then that becomes a non-market activity. Right. When they use it to say, well, we're going to outlaw anyone who says such a word or who behaves in a way that we disapprove of. Without going that far, Which does... is government schools. Yeah. And also, I'd have to say these government statues are wrong. I didn't mind them putting, putting them down. That if it's a private statue, that's an entirely different thing than yeah. the government's. Does cancel culture have the power to destroy the free market from which it is dependent on without resorting to that government activity? Uh, somewhat. Mm-hmm. All right. But, but not completely. <laughs> yeah, because there, there'll be outside actors and people who don't care, right? You know. All right. Any other thoughts on cancel culture and the free market at work? Uh, Victoria's Secret was, was canceled. Uh, <laughs> because they got rid of the angels. <laughs> what a bummer. <laughs> I don't want to see what Megan Rapinoe and Laundrape. So no. Is that no, a thank market you. activity? I, see, that's the thing. I don't think it's necessarily a market activity. I think it's... Um, is it not a market activity? It, it's Victoria's so- Secret went woke. And then the people who value Victoria's Secret products and looking at the that, sexy girls in lingerie went, nah, we're, we're having none of it. That wasn't the market that was uh, obsessed, um, uh, what do you call it, P- possessed individuals that are making bad decisions. Okay. That's what. That's kind of what woke is. It is. It's being pos- possessed by your ideology, uh, which isn't open for uh anything outside of you, you know, whatever you think is, but taking that to the corporate level, right? Like you yeah. can have those personal beliefs, but then when corporations start doing it at, to the detriment of stockholders, shareholders, but it's not, and it's the bottom not, line, it's not, a, it's not free market. It's, it's about a, a possessive ideology that, that's taking over people's minds. Okay. That's, it, it's not about the market. <laughs> the market says, well, what, what has worked for Victoria's Secret for a yeah. very long time? That's the market. The market is the response to that ideology, though, right? Like, you have this ideology, you go, like, we're, we're going sure. a different direction, and then the market responds. Yeah, and the market, and like, is, no, thank the you. market is going to uh, shame uh, Victoria's Secret and, the, the, and those possessed by the, our, their ideology. Yeah, as the market should. And so it works both ways. Victoria's Secret still exists. Uh, is it out? They no, didn't no. go out of business, did they? They got rid of the angels... And now they're putting in uh, celebrity uh, influencers of some sort. No, I mean uh, typical body sizes and shapes. Sure. So not supermodel to promote um, the brand. To, yeah, and that's not going to work. Yeah, it's like this should be obvious. Should be. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at their website, and <clears throat> those aren't the typical bodies. Well, not <laughs> yet. They, they just this was just announced this, this is week. Bra- this yeah. is brand new. Like, oh, this, this week okay. information. So oh. Wait, wait for the next catalog. Okay. Yeah. Oh bummer! And and if and if they <laughs> halt that because they get they're getting made fun of and they're gonna yeah. be getting memes all, all you know made out of them, uh, you know that that's the market. <laughs> yeah. Well, then they, then they would have assessed the market response yeah, yeah, right to the yeah. canceling and adjusted for profitability. Yeah. 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 Right. All right. Final thoughts. No thanks. Aloha. All right. That'll do it for us. Then you guys know where to find us: anarchistexperience.com on telegram t.me slash anarchist experience or t.me slash the anarchist experience if you'd like to join the show when we go live again follow me on clubhouse at riches for rich r-i-c-h-e-s the number four r-i-c-h and if you would like to contribute to the show financially you can still do so through patreon because we have not been canceled yet patreon.com slash the anarchist experience thank you very much for listening and talk to y'all next week peace aloha